I thank God for our musicians who have led us so beautifully in worship, for all who have led us today, and for those who have beautified our sanctuary so marvelously for this holy season. We are in a sermon series called Songs of the Season. We're looking at four songs that appear in Luke chapters 1 and 2. And today we're going to look at a very famous song, sometimes called the Magnificat. It's found in Luke 1, verses 46 through 55. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and the title of my sermon is, Here Comes Santa Claus, Mary's Song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. One of the joys of Advent is the music. The songs of the season are fantastic, yet some Christmas songs capture the significance of Christ's birth better than others. On one hand, there are songs like Joy to the World, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and O Holy Night. These songs express the profound spiritual and ethical meanings of Christ's coming. On the other hand, there are songs like All I Want for Christmas is You, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, and Here Comes Santa Claus. These songs are fun, but not as deeply spiritual in their content. When I consider the profound meaning of Christ's birth, Here Comes Santa Claus is not my first point of reference. Instead, I look to the song that started the whole Christmas music 
genre. It's the song that every other Christmas song tries to live up to. It's the song that expresses the full meaning of Christmas. This song was performed 2,000 years ago by an artist named Mary, and it was recorded by a producer named Luke. The song was inspired when the angel Gabriel told Mary that the Holy Spirit would conceive in her a child who would be Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior. It was then that Mary hurried to Elizabeth's house and belted out a song that would become an instant classic. My soul magnifies the Lord, Mary sang, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Notice the personal nature of Mary's exemplary faith. My soul, she says, my spirit, she says, my Savior. The good news of Christ calls for a personal response from the individual. Mary needed a Savior just as each of us needs a Savior. We are all broken by the sin of the world, broken by the sin in our communities, and broken by our own sin. We are fractured by the evil, suffering, and diseases that plague the earth. We are souls in disrepair, perhaps never more so than over the past two years. We need the tender mercy of God to heal us, to patch us up, to put us back together, to make us whole again. A few years ago, when I was pastoring in Tennessee, I chaperoned my daughter Nora's elementary school field trip to the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum in Nashville. Being a, a country fan since high school, I have to say that as far as chaperoning goes, it was a pretty good gig. When we got there, we saw an awesome puppet show that chronicled the history of country music. Then a tour guide showed us through the museum. We saw a, a Cadillac limousine that Elvis Presley used to ride around in, handwritten lyrics to famous songs, and exhibits featuring country stars such as Hank Williams, Loretta Lynn, and Johnny Cash. One item we saw was a mandolin owned by the late bluegrass legend Bill Monroe. This particular mandolin was his favorite, and he played it everywhere he performed. The tour guide told us how in 1985, an intruder broke into Monroe's Nashville home and destroyed his treasured mandolin with a fire poker. When Monroe found it, it was in about 150 pieces. Feeling distraught, he gathered up the pieces and took them to the experts at Gibson Guitars and asked if there was any way they might possibly be able to put his mandolin back together again. They took the pieces, they worked with them carefully, and they painstakingly pieced his mandolin 
back together. They didn't just repair it. They remade it. When they delivered the instrument to Monroe, he reported that it played even better than it had before. God, likewise, takes broken lives and pieces them back together. God takes fractured people and makes them whole again. God not only repairs us, but also remakes us. God takes broken individuals like you and like me and mends us with mercy so that we come out better on the other side. Everybody is hurting. Everybody is fractured. Everybody needs a Savior. There's no gospel without the Savior. There's no good news without Christ the Lord. He is the one who mends us with mercy, repairs our souls with grace, remakes us into a new creation, and saves us from our sins. Surely this is something to sing about. As Mary demonstrates, the news of Christ is too good to just be spoken. It demands a song. The news of Christ is too good to just be announced. It demands an anthem. This Christmas, while others are singing along to Here Comes Santa Claus and the like, those with personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who call God my Savior can sing along to Mary's anthem in verses 49 through 50. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. In verse 51, Mary transitions to the second stanza of her song. He has shown strength with his arm, she intones. This is a reference to God's saving acts in the Old Testament, especially the Exodus. God's strong arm is what rescued the enslaved Israelites from Egyptian tyranny. Mary is heralding a second exodus in her coming child, another saving act of God with both spiritual and social implications. Listen to Mary's lyrics in verses 52 through 53. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Mary has gone from emphasizing personal faith to expressing a social message. She indicates that the life stirring in her womb would cause a socioeconomic stir. This is a song with lyrical gravity, yet here comes Santa Claus is playing on the radio. Have you ever been listening to a concert or an album 
when the singer suddenly starts singing about social concerns, it changes the mood. It's like if Sam Cooke went from singing, You Send Me, to singing, A Change Is Gonna Come. It's like if Martina McBride went from singing, Baby, I Love You, to singing, A Broken Wing. It's like if Matthew West went from singing the motions to singing do something. It's like if Johnny Cash went from singing I Walk the Line to singing The Man in Black, a song in which Cash explained that he always wore black in order to represent the poor, the hungry, and the beaten down. But when Mary transitions to singing about social arrangements, it's not a different song. It's the same song she has been singing. She barely takes a breath between praising her personal Savior and pronouncing the social content of the gospel. Personal salvation and social consciousness are part of the same song, the same rhythm, the same melody, the same message, the same gospel. Mary sings about God lifting up the lowly, even if it means unseating the lofty from their thrones. Mary sings about God filling the hungry with good things, even if it means sending the rich away empty. Now this does not mean God loves the poor and lowly and despises the rich and lofty. We know from the Gospels that Christ came to save low-income folks like Mary and the top 1% like Zacchaeus. Christ came to save beggars like Bartimaeus and affluent folks like Levi. Christ came to save peasants like Peter and privileged power players like Joseph of Arimathea. What Mary's song indicates is that God reverses unholy social patterns so that everyone has access to resources they need, such as food. What Mary's song indicates is that God overthrows conventional social hierarchies so that everyone has equal dignity. By evening out everyone's status under God, God shows favor to the poor and the lowly. Mary knows this truth quite personally. Since God did not choose a well-born woman to be the Savior's mother, but rather chose her, a poor girl from the underside of society. God's selection of Mary as Christ's mom proves that God elevates the lowly in order to establish egalitarian dignity over against the uneven stratifications of society. One cannot look up to the God of Mary and still be looking down on anybody because of their low social status. We cannot separate Christ the Savior of sinners from Christ to the transformer of social realities. Just as we cannot separate the God who saved Israel from the God who liberated slaves. Just as we cannot separate the first stanza of Mary's song from the second stanza. 
all these profound ramifications of Christmas. And here comes Santa Claus, is playing in the stores as we shop. There are, however, a few Christmas songs on the radio with considerable substance. Have you ever noticed how one of the popular favorites of the season begins by saying, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And then later goes on to say, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Oh, Holy Night echoes Mary's song by connecting the personal salvation of the soul to social righteousness. It's only fitting then that Christ's arrival has inspired many people across the centuries to take social action, including during the season of Advent and the season of Christmas. The way that God fills the hungry sparks people to give to their local food bank, to volunteer at the local homeless shelter, to buy gifts for children that otherwise wouldn't be getting gifts at Christmas, to reach out to persons in need. It even leads some exemplary Christians to transcend common acts of charity and make costly, life-changing gifts that lift up the lowly and empower the downtrodden in the name of Jesus. Way back in the late third century, there was a young man who received a sizable inheritance when his parents died. Being a devout follower of Christ with strong personal faith, he prayed about how he could deploy his inheritance money in accordance with the will of God. He learned about three underprivileged young women living nearby. They were sisters whose father had lost everything. Since none of them had a dowry, the money or property that women were required to bring into a marriage back then, no man would marry them. And since they had no dowry and no man to marry them, in that time and place, their futures looked bleak. They were struggling on the underside of society. When the young Christian learned of their situation, he felt led to do something about it with his inheritance money. As religion professor Adam English tells the story, the young man placed a few gold coins into a small money purse, tied the string, and in the dead of night, tossed it through an open window into their house. When the miraculous gift was found the next morning. The family praised God and cried tears of joy. When the young Christian saw the good that had come from his anonymous gift, he went to their house a second night with another bag of gold coins and threw it through the window 
in their home. This gift likewise was received with tremendous joy the next morning. The first gift became a dowry for the man's eldest daughter, empowering her toward a brighter future. And the second gift became a dowry for the middle daughter, empowering her for a brighter future. And so finally, the young man went a third night beneath the cloak of darkness and threw a third bag of gold coins through the window into their house. This bag, of course, became the dowry for the youngest daughter in the family. These three young women had been empowered to marry, and their father's joy was restored, and the family was able to make ends meet, and their futures looked much, much brighter. God had worked to repair their fractured lives through a guy who understood the full significance of Mary's song, a guy who embodied the whole message of Christ's coming, a guy who comprehended the deep and total meaning of Christmas, a guy who had personal salvation in Jesus and also understood the socioeconomic dimensions of the gospel. His name, by the way, was Nicholas of Myra. He was later canonized as a saint due to his powerful gospel witness. Today, he is known all over the world as Saint Nicholas or Old Saint Nick or Santa Claus. You know, Maybe here comes Santa Claus has some potential after all. Amen.